Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies, whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a forgotten classic, or even a problematic fave. We're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is dear friend and someone who a girl at a bar once called preppy but hipster, Nick Younger. Hi, Nick. Hi. I still resent her for saying that. I think I have a more refined style. Okay. What were you wearing to elicit that kind of remark? This isn't video. I um, was wearing a, um, I've been also roasted for calling a pullover sweatshirts jumpers, um, but it's an, a vintage jump, let's okay. call it, with a white trim on the neck yeah. and sleeves. And okay. I was wearing black jeans. And I keep... Well, okay, so the black jeans to me is, like, very hipster. I also think, like, A, calling it a jumper is hipster. Like, that's very, like, British to me for whatever like, reason. Come on, jumper. Yeah, it, like, I, they always call things, I mean, it's, like, jumper and a rack. Like, it's, mm-hmm. they call things insane names over there. But, like, I don't, and we'll sort of get into this because, like, the first segment will have a question more or less about this very topic. But, like, I always think of like those like pullover sweaters, like vintagey stuff as being like super trendy right now. Like, I mean, like the nineties are totally back in fashion and like, that is like very nineties. Yeah. I can't wait for Jinkos to come back. They are back. Like I literally, I saw someone on the train last night in basically Jinkos, like Typing away amazon.com send Jinkos to my house right now. I'm sure like D I like, um, I love those kind of flared jeans because I mean they are hideous but like in a really glorious way and I love that they're so long and voluminous on the bottom that you can pretend you don't have feet yeah you just kind of like float around like, yeah like you would you don't even know if you're, you're wearing shoes like you could have like cloven hooves under there <laughs> so Mr. Tumnus just he can yeah. wear he gets it cold in Narnia a lot actually are they insular like i've never actually worn jinkos like, i thought I'm, they were just big fat jeans and they are that is in essence what they are yeah i kind of I hold them in the same reverence as like a, a mormon's undergarment like you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's something very mystical about them yeah now like, it's very like it's so covered up <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, right. just, it's like what are you there's something under a jinko or is it just that's that's the trend you're having yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. I, so I just moved, this is the first um, episode for listeners that I am actually recording in my new home base of Chicago, Illinois. And I was actually looking at adult snow suits the other day. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not snowing right now, obviously, but like I um, was looking at like snow suits and like vintage ski suits, which are basically just like jinkos, full body jinkos. Ski suits. I, I was saying, I think a, a full Jinko ski suit, you'd be soaked by the, the end of the run. But yeah. I think you'd wait the whole time doing it. <laughs> De- denim is so heavy, too. And I mean, not that like any ski suit is like breathable fabric at all. But like the idea, I mean, it's ba- you're just wearing overalls at that point. Yeah, well, you're essentially, that is just, you could just get the exact same thing. Wear like a jean jacket and overalls and you've essentially has a Jinko. I have done that. It's not... It's a stiff outfit. 
yeah, it looked, it's, I bet you looked cool as hell coming down. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I, I definitely was like, I do like a denim on denim moment. Like I, the Canadian tuxedo of it all, like I acknowledge, but I do think like you can do it pretty well if you have good pieces for it. Overalls though are hard. Basil Steve rocks them well. A past guest to for to past guest <laughs> overall overall king. Um, <laughs> I went out to a bar in my overalls like I guess two years ago, and my friend friend of the pod Boone who did the logo for this also wore his overalls, but he made the mistake of wearing a yellow shirt underneath the overalls, which takes it straight to a place of minion. I saw a woman wearing um, a yellow sweater and a blue overalls and I was like listen you you have to know what you're it's you like have when to know if a skinny white guy wears a green shirt and burgundy pants you look like shaggy like yeah you can have any facial hair you want you or like any sort of you could have a mohawk you look like shaggy yeah you like, like you, shag. you need to know your fashion references before you walk right. out of the house because yeah. ignorance just makes you look dumb at the thousands end of, the day. of palettes have been done before by cartoon characters so like you just got to be on let's again like a green and a Green shirt, blue overalls, you can't do it. Red no. shirt, blue overalls, you can't do it. A full pink dress, you're you're too deep in this Nintendo world at this point. Right. <laughs> for your poor fashion choices. And yeah. again, also with Fred, orange ascots are ruined if we're back on Scooby-Doo. Oh, totally ruined. <laughs> we're an orange ascot after 1967, whenever Scooby-Doo first came out. I was running um, in like early pandemic in bandanas and like a lot of the bandanas I have are orange and every day I walked out of the house I was I was like oh like I look like Fred going for a run like he wears his ascot to run. Well but, yeah I mean he's got different kinds like a sheer one he's got a linen ascot I'm sure for the summer. <laughs> a moisture wicking <laughs> like microfiber one. Just in case that's that's the reboot of Scooby that they're doing is where he comes in and he's got this whole line now. I can't wait for it to He's like athleisure, athleisure king. FS1, I think. Well, speaking of fashion, I think it's time for the first segment. We're going to play Go Call the Governor. So I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and ancient history, and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. So we're going back to like antiquity. Potentially. Uh, and by antiquity, I mean like two weeks ago. <laughs> well, so, to me, that's antiquity, yeah. It is. In the, in the digital age, everything moves so quickly. Um, there are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Okay. So are you ready to play? Mm-hmm, I'm familiar with the rules. All right. Perfection. Angelina Jolie is purportedly dating The weekend. Does the governor need to be called? Um, okay, I know I can't answer, like, really ask a question, but my question is, has The weekend seen the movie Salt with Angelina Jolie? I if think he has seen it on a call plane. The governor, if the answer is no, then don't call the governor. He's, he's definitely seen it on a plane. I think he has, like, right. studied her catalog, because I feel like she is almost the platonic ideal of who he, she, he should right. be dating. I also think that there's a good chance that, um, I mean, it seems that he probably is the one who gunned for this. Yes. Um, you know, he seems like a Billy Bob Thornton, but some, he wants someone to get blood in a vial on his back. Oh, you know he's I mean? so down Billy for that. Billy Bob was just like, yeah, that's what I do. You know what I mean? But like, the weekend, <laughs> like, this is 
this is really important to me. And I think Angelina is the only person who can fulfill this task. So I think, I think for those reasons, call the governor. Cause I, I just be, I think something's up, you know, there's something. There is here. something very up here. I do like the idea of them together. Like they're two very simpatico. Right. I think there's something vibes. that could become beautiful, but I think this is one of those, like, there's a dark path, like hiding um, in the, in the shrubs that I think Angelina, I don't know what she might bring him into something that maybe he thinks he's ready for, but she, he's really not. I think yeah. regardless, the end of this relationship is going to have one, some potentially good music and, or um, a Jolina songs. I, I'm here girl. for the Jolina songs. Like she's, well, I guess she just had that movie come out. Um, two months ago, I think about like where she plays a firefighter, which like, yeah, yeah stretches credulity for me <laughs> like not, she is like yeah. she is 85 pounds soaking wet like I don't believe that she can even put on those firefighter uniforms are so heavy talk about like jinko all over like <laughs> could you imagine a firefighting team all jinkos stylish I mean they would probably perish in the flames like not almost. yeah jinkos are not flame retardant at all <laughs> not at all unless um, Jinko starts their firefighter brand. I mean, that's oh the God. people to stake your bets on in 2021 firefighters. Angelina's on to something. She's always been ahead of the curve. And I do think that like her dating the weekend, they've been spotted leaving a hotel as one does. And then they were at the club last night, which I've never mm-hmm. seen Angelina Jolie in a club setting. Like the have pictures seen- were shocking. Like, yeah, have you seen the movie Beowulf 2008? I have not seen Beowulf. So I saw that in theaters with my brother, um, mm-hmm. of course, because I was a, a young teen. Um, we were all out there. Maybe not you, but most of us were. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely coming in throngs to see uh, Ray Winstone's 2008 epic <laughs> Beowulf. And in it, Angelina Jolie plays um, the evil monster Grendel's mother, and she's like Angelina Jolie. In the original, the book, the uh, Beowulf, if you're familiar, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that it reads sexy, um, but I get the sense that if you look up these images, she's just like gold, but has like a scorpion's tail out of her like hair and she's yeah. naked. And I'm like, that's kind of, and it looks very like, it's so CGI, you're like, nothing really fits here. So that's what I kind of imagine was her in like the back of the club, like standing up so like taut and like the eyeball the camera at any moment like podcasting is not a visual medium but what you just did is basically exactly what she was doing (laughs) like i was trying to describe yeah what i think she's up to she is always very great poised yeah very very all right let's move on to something that may not be quite as poised okay birkenstocks does the governor need to be called it needs to be called because I'm wearing them right now. Oh my Come god! Pull dead hands, governor. Are are you rocking like classic brown? Like what's the vibe here? Yeah, no, I'm going. I'm going brown, brown uh, or black leather cork. Standard. Incredible. Yeah. I got these. Uh, buy one get one free. My dad got um Sanook sneakers, and I got these. That is such a mood. Like I love Birkenstock. I know they're controversial like i feel like they're having a renaissance right now though like weirdly so in the gay community i'm seeing a lot more like gay guys just walking out in birkenstocks which five years ago would have been shocking i mean it's they're comfortable i also while in college i was mercilessly mocked anytime i broke out the birkenstock like i fought for the right to to wear these people were always making fun of these little quirky feet of mine yeah it's and 
and in a boat shoe culture like that we got socialized in in college like it's just not like talk about like looking like shaggy like people just immediately think that like it's hippie to be granola to be in a bohemia to your look even you can just and also birkenstocks are not cheap so no they're not cheap at all they've like persisted with this this kind of like granola-y like very crunchy hippie kind of look it's strange it's like it's old professor like I always think of like older professors like wearing Birkenstocks and socks which I do think is also a good look when pulled off right I do like but like they also those guys are tenured like they have money like they can drop 180 dollars on Birkenstocks that's comfort baby that is comfort like I I that is the only thing that's standing between me getting a pair and not having one right now like I unfortunately like I am in, in a place of deep regression and I've been wearing Under Armour slides out recently not good horrible Comparatively, no yeah, I it's so bad it's, uh, it's like the next logical upgrade if if Katie slides are a uh a geodude like we're looking at like Bravard of golem we're getting to like the top of this pokemon yeah. evolution chain like comfortable slip on um outdoor wear that you can like have feasibly in or out actually i believe yeah and i like they are an investment piece like they last for a long time my dad has had the same pair of birkenstocks basically for 15 years like and they look been, um 2014 yeah that's a long time for shoes like i don't know i just I, I mean, I'm from Maryland, so, like, Under Armour is, like, unfortunately in my DNA, but I have not worn these slides since high school, and I just feel like... It's time to retire those guys. I know. I gotta I gotta get them out of here. It's either that or my, like, Ugg slippers, though, like, my, like, little clogs. Okay, for <laughs> what it's worth, Ugg, I think, makes good shoes that aren't Uggs. I think their Uggs has became such a moment in and yeah. of But, like, I had old Ugg chuckas sophomore mm-hmm. in college and they were incredibly comfortable yeah and no one detected it was a small ug logo on the side that you couldn't see no it's not like you're wearing like the boots or whatever like and i don't i don't mind the boots like i mean i'm sure you had a similar experience where like everyone every girl especially in your like middle school high school was just showing up to school every day in a pair of ug boots and like a north face jacket like that was the uniform but like I like I've had these like Ugg slippers for years now and like they're well, great great and there's a reason that all those um middle school girls flock to Uggs they're comfortable yeah. they're boots and you can wear them anywhere you can wear <laughs> for the girl on the go Uggs <laughs> yeah Uggs is just sitting behind me with the gun the Ugg CEO and he's like yeah keep going we're, we're irrelevant <laughs> we're still in this one <laughs> please I have, I have friends family they're they're not okay we know you love us. <laughs> the gun is fur lined. Yeah, <laughs> just the handle is because like I'm like, oh my god, that's so comfortable. So comfy. <laughs> like it is. It's making my feet, my hands sweat a little bit, but that's about it. Well, that was the biggest issue is that you couldn't wear, they'd be like, you can wear these Uggs anywhere. And it's like, like I've got these Adidas that are like fur lined. And I'm like, I wear these in the summer and I don't need to. No. Like, like I mean, I it's it is like. 87 degrees here in Chicago Whoa. but I still have my Uggs on though for the girl on the go for the girl on the go <laughs> um the okay. not stopping us not stopping us 
Um, okay, speaking of girls on the go, your final cultural scenario, Jonah Hill, does the governor need to be called? Um, so I, here I would say no, from only my perspective, what calling the governor kind of entails, because in this case, I feel like he's like really coming to like his a beautiful self of Jonah Hill. Like mm -hmm. not a lot of movies of late, cause like, I'm glad, I feel like he's really figuring out some cool stuff. You keep seeing him more and more. He looks happier, healthy. He's got a bleach blonde hair. He's got like cool digs on. He usually has like a lilac sunglass on. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't call the governor unless the governor just needs to, is excited about the news. So I have a question for you. As a straight guest, mm -hmm. is Jonah Hill your king? I would say he's like a, like he's in the like duchy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. He's a baron of some sort. Like he's definitely like inspirational, but I would say putting him at the top, um, of especially of like the straight world, um, I feel like would be just too much. He doesn't need that because he seems to sort of also have kind of um, a streak. I'm not sure if it's a negative one or like an egotistical, but I always feel like he has a streak of some sort. Like yeah. it's got hinges of of like bad boy, but like he can't quite. Yeah, no, I I I totally get what you're saying. Like he is um. Well, like he's still like hype weed before, right? Yeah. Him and Chet Hanks, excuse me. I used Chet like very like we were friends. Well, Chet, yeah. Well, Chet, Chet Hanks is like a whole other can of worms, I guess. But like, yeah, Jonah Hill does read a little bit as someone who like very um I'll use this euphemistically, is very into streetwear. Like he like definitely he like wants again, and, like he likes the big sunglasses, they're some crazy color that you're not expecting. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I always think of him, the quintessential Jonah Hill outfit to me, and one of the worst things I've ever seen on walking down a sidewalk is him in a Phoenix Suns jersey, a vintage Phoenix Suns jersey that probably costs like $350, tucked into a pair of jeans. Huh. Just normal jeans. What was it is wearing flip-flops? That's the vibe I'm getting. Um, I think he's in sneakers because he's like such a sneaker head. Yeah, like, that's the point. He just seems like he's always has something, some accoutrement that's like a seafoam green and that like should not be seafoam green. That's kind of always the, the vibe. Like he has like a streak in his hair. And you're yeah. like, I don't know if, like, I like it. I love that you're kind of crafting a look, but I'm not sure if this is quite the one, but he is, I think he's almost there. So I say don't call the governor because you don't want to stumble on him. Yeah, I, I think I can get behind that. I like... What, how old is Jonah Hill? I feel like we're... I think he's like 38 or 39, actually. He's 37. You almost nailed it. Yeah. And that's... The thing about that is then maybe I shouldn't... Maybe we should call the governor. Like, maybe he should have figured it out by now. He definitely... Is, he, like, you say a streak. Like, I feel like he's perpetually someone who is going through it. Like, there's yeah. always something going on with him. Like, I like him. I think he's a phenomenally talented actor, both, like, comedically and dramatically. But, like... Yeah, there's something, there's like a darkness there. You know what it is? It's the Leo. Yeah. His, his deep Leo friendship, I think, has kind of um, sullied his soul. I feel like being friends with Leonardo DiCaprio is like shaking hands with the devil. Like, you don't come away. Right. He's like, I've fully. got a deal. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, Leo, I thought we're, he's like, no, no, no. All these women on this boat are 22. And you're like, Leo, we're old men at this point. Like, maybe we should be doing anything else. Get off this fucking yacht for once. And he's like, no, you're walking <laughs> on this yacht with me. And then he snaps his fingers and Toby Maguire shows up with his like, yeah. Ugg fur lined gun. <laughs> like, 
I'm the CEO of UGG. And you're like, Toby, <laughs> no. Bad like investments, Toby had to do something else. Yeah. He is a dark horse. I think it's actually, we're so mistaken. I think it's the Toby Maguire influence of, of your on Leo, which is then tarnished. Yeah. Or do we no. think Leo is the, the web of which that kind of emerges from? I think to Leo might be a vessel for Toby Maguire's dark passenger. Like, yes. I, I know. Like, evil will. It, He's a Russian doll of like evil will power. Right. And I like, I, um, so not to get to like entertainment industry insider here, but like Toby Maguire has a reputation in Hollywood for being the worst person, like so difficult to work with like so mean like uh, like abusive allegedly 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 like please do not sue me to mcguire um so i can definitely see how like if jonah hill does have like a, a deep malaise like it could very well be i think i think maybe it was yeah and at least maybe kind of um like marinated amongst those people yeah so maybe we should call the governor have a have a, a chat with our friend Jonah. I am on a current. It's me, Basil, Steve, as we've mentioned, another one of our friends, Jesse, mm -hmm. um, and Jonah Hill in a, a Instagram group DM that he has not once checked. And that uh, is probably. I always think I'm like, you know, he can read what we're saying. Like, he yeah. could at, at some point, pop open his Instagram and be like, these guys are really bizarre. He was added long ago, and I'm hoping for the day where we see read by Jonah Hill, and then maybe he'll watch this, and then he'll be like. Shit, I've got something to. <laughs> you guys immediately get a show on like IMDb TV. <laughs> He's like, wait a second. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And we are back. Nick, what cultural emergency are you bringing to the table? Mine is specific, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think that. Um, uh, there was a miss in the mid aughts, late aughts, let's say, pre 2010. Um, we missed a, a sexual icon, like completely whiffed past it. Um, and it was, uh, it was Davy Jones in, if you're familiar with the Pirates of the Caribbean series mm -hmm. at the Johnny Depp. I think something about, he really distilled something very like specific in my opinion about like the late 2000s. Um, yeah, the right pre, pre 2010s, if you will. So. And I like, there's something sexy about him. If you know his story, it's even sexier. The history is sexy. And I think that we've missed over him. And we were just talking about Michelle Branch and right. we were talking Jinkos. We're talking about the resurgence of things. I think soon to come back into the, obviously is the, the aughts. I think you're kind of seeing a lot of like Daughtry vibes come back into the <laughs> world. So yeah, I just use Daughtry. And I think that that kind of like Creed, Daughtry, like those kind of things are like, really like made like a mark on like pop culture in America. And I think that, I think Davy Jones represented that like gross, mean kind of like salty, scrungy energy that like people, I think should give him a second look. Cause I think there's something sexy about like a, a, a cursed sailor who drags people to his death, like other sailors to his death. I'm so glad we're here today to talk about this. Like I, that is cultural. That is the level of cultural commentary I need from my guests every episode. I love this topic so much. Davy Jones is, you are incredibly correct in that Davy Jones, Davy Jones Locker is very 2000s in that it is like the intersection of 
CGI, big budget CGI. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp, who was everywhere. Yes. And tentacle porn. Yes. Which is yes. also was everywhere in the 2000s. Especially so. in that era, for sure. You couldn't go two two pages on the internet without running into tentacle porn at that time. Like it just very distressing Whoa. for a young teen or like a tween. You yeah, know. the internet was a. I think it is still dangerous in some ways, um, but I think that there was something very um, uninhibited about it as well. Like this is the era in which like YouTube was like made because people were wanted to make a dumb video that went viral and they're like, I can't believe millions of people know who I am now. Like all those like original, like Smosh, those guys, like mm-hmm. they're like, I think they're the only ones who's like survived the living through that. The rest of those people who went viral were like, I've got other shit to do. Like, yeah. Tay Zonde. Uh, oh yeah. Tay Zonde is like no, nowhere to be found now. Like I, I weirdly think like Smosh is a good example. I think Bo Burnham and is also a pretty good example yeah. too of someone who's really like I, I mean he's not doing youtube really anymore but like he's managed to really build a pretty interesting career off of like they cut his teeth there you know yeah it is like such a breeding <laughs> ground for um because it's such like we were talking about this in an earlier episode with um nina wilder like you do build a pretty thick skin doing YouTube I think and like you have to be because it's such an interactive platform like you have to create content basically that is so like forward facing to people like because it's the feedback loop is just like so short or whatever yeah and I think that there's something too just about like people didn't realize that when making the videos. So like, it was a very rude awakening, I think for a lot of people making YouTube in that time. I was even doing it with my friends when I was like 12. And like, you'd instantly get comments, people being like, I'm like roasting you about something you never noticed. And it was like, I didn't realize that this was a possibility because I'm 12 um, and yeah. I'm on the internet like right now. And I didn't realize that people could perceive me at such a, a length. And I think to what you're saying about thick skinned, who has thicker skin than Davey Davy Jones? Jones himself. So how how did you get introduced to Davy Jones in his locker in general? Like what 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 did this is such a weird concept because we should outline that it is an mm-hmm. old Davy Jones in his locker is a according to Wikipedia a metaphor for the bottom of the sea, the state of death among drowned sailors and shipwrecks. I think it's the same concept. This very like we're. Uh, there's something metaphysical, like a dark space within the reaches, whether it be the internet, where it be just the seven seas you fall, and then you are now a hundred years before the mass working under Davy Jones for his ungodly crew of misbehaving. Yeah. Of like weird, like starfish people. Right. We're like, do you want to die? And they're like, no, I'll, I'll keep fighting. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> more years than me to sail the seas. I look like a shark. I mean, we're borrowing heavily from. Gore Verbinski's image of what Davy Jones looked like, and I think he nailed it. Well, but, uh, there are really only two, two to me, defining cultural like portrayals of the sailor's devil himself. One being Pirates of the Caribbean, and the other being the Flying Dutchman from SpongeBob, <laughs> which is sort of like not quite, you know, not quite Davy Jones, right. but definitely Davy Jones adjacent. Right. I mean, he is the Flying Dutchman. Yeah. Um, which also. My favorite part is like really not a menacing name for a ship. The like, Flying Dutchman? Yeah, like there's nothing no. really like, why isn't it like something more menacing? I don't, I don't know. Like I, 
that is such a like an odd legend to me like i want to get into maritime folklore right now well i mean that's like very of its time right now like i mean there's that whole tiktok trend a few months ago of people getting really into like sea shanties again like maritime culture is back like it's true good point and i think that our people are looking back at sea shanties it's those i mean it makes a lot of sense that the next kind of thing you think about is the dark recesses of that of those shanties which there and lurks Davy Jones. Yeah. And also, and there's something about do we think that the linking between Davy Jones, the lead singer of the monkeys, and then Davy Jones, Davy Jones, like is there something there as well? I think you when I met, first mentioned Davy Jones, you like, I, did, I, did, I did immediately gravitate towards the singer just because I have worked with their catalog pretty extensively in my like work stuff for the past few years. So like I do when I hear Davy Jones, which crazily enough is his real name, like I do automatically kind of gravitate towards that. But then I was like, wait, like I'm talking to another 26 year old, 25 year old. Like, so, I mean, someone my age, like about this, like there's no way that he would be bringing the monkeys to the table yeah. in the year 2021. Like that's like talking about like Tommy James and the Shondells on this podcast, which like, I'm not going to be doing doing deep cuts next time i'm gonna talk to the millier brothers we're going way back deep cuts only <laughs> this is gonna be some like um power pop roots rock podcast like in the next way way back yeah oh my god no i i i don't know if there's like a link between those two necessarily but like there is something like kind of groovy psychedelic about the bottom of the sea to me like it's very like anglerfish it's very um like sea urchin like you yeah, know it's stingray. Odd, like, the photo the things are different colors there's like translucent um bioluminescence like, like flowy little fish like uh what are they like ribbon fish i think they have like no yeah i'm completely a marine biologist who watches this is like no that's not that's not what a ribbon fish is but, I, like, it, kind of, like mystery that's exactly it just this dark mystery I'm definitely misquoting the statistic, but I'm pretty sure we've only discovered like 10% of the ocean because it's so deep. Like there, there very much could be a squid man at the bottom of the sea. And maybe, yeah. And here's my thinking too, is that I'm, you have to assume that Davy Jones was invented as a myth because of superstitious sailors who existed in the 1700s. Like they were all going crazy from scurvy. Like no one was really thinking about things. They were just like hunched if, on that same Wikipedia page about it, and they're like, oh, you would seem like hunched on the mass, like uh, saucer eyes. I kind of mm -hmm. wish they'd stayed with the original imagery, which they say double horns, long teeth, kind of short squat and hairy. Um, he looks like people you might find off on the streets. I think he's more like of a, I think the, the octopus tentacles while sexy, tall, dark and handsome, sure. I think there's something like not quite accurate though that I think is even more well, cer certainly not. I mean, I, I would never say that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are like paragons of accuracy. If I saw like a big like British squid man walking towards me on the deck of my ship, I'd jump overboard too, probably. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to know what the statistics for um um sailors who went overboard is, like who survived. Well, they apparently like people would just like move on. Like they wouldn't even try to save them oh, sometimes. Right. Like, like once you are like down there, you're like done. Like that's and then you're in the locker. Also, we don't know if the locker is necessarily bad. It's no, kind of it could it could be like um like Club Med. 
Like you go in, like you get a little touch up, like you like get a little starfish yeah. on your face, put some barnacles on your ass, yeah. and then you're like and you're ready for the runway, running. girl on the go on the yeah. bottom of the sea. Bug boots on over your crab peg leg. And it's totally <laughs> fine. You feel sexy, you look sexy, you won't get barnacles. Well, and that's the thing. Do they get if we're going strictly back into Pirates of Caribbean, do they get a choice into what they're turning into? Like, could you say, like, I would request Ugg boots if you can manage it? Is there a boot <laughs> nearby? Like, I want a crab here. Like, I want a yeah, little, right. like, little eel like, here. More, like, strict themes. Like, there's a Maury eel guy. There's, like, a crab guy. There's a hammerhead shark guy. Yeah. And it's, like, you, but then, like, Davy Jones himself has a crab claw. He's got the octopus face. It's, like, you're, he's, maybe he just gets it because he's the boss and he can kind of pick and choose what he wants. But Yeah, like, having a big crab claw is very alpha behavior like right just a, one claw yeah and it doesn't seem i feel like it's more it's not very useful in terms of like all the sea critters like potential tools that he could have which maybe would make it so sexy and dangerous so do you like the pirates of the caribbean movies by and large like um, i often have a yeah kind of waffle for me right i think that they are definitely like are of such a time and they're also like that's johnny depp at his strangest like that's when like yeah. that was pre when we anyone knew that he was also kind of like a well we don't know there's a lot of up and armor yeah armor. it's a lot of that's a whole yeah, yeah. that's a whole thing i don't want to go off and uh defame johnny depp here but he was very odd before anyone started really like taking a look at how odd he was um and I think that that, and he still has that kind of like, you know, he was sexy, but he wasn't like uh, this like superhero ideal that we have now due to like the Marvel movies where like anyone from like Chris Hemsworth to Kumail Nanjani is like getting like cut, you know what I yeah. mean? Compared to like Johnny Depp, who was leading this as like this live. Yeah, like, I mean, he was like basically like, I mean, twinky, like kind of twinky body, like gross yeah fey more hygiene he had and then he would also what's fey is a good word I yeah think that's a great description of like something like ethereal um and also like he was like hard to pin down his like motives he's very whimsical and i think that that um maybe davy jones actually the cultural emergency is that he it was the start of this more like macho aggressive alpha male type of like movie star that we see i mean i hate, hesitate to call bill nighy in heavy cgi makeup a um, uh, movie star right <laughs> I, I don't know if I would say that either I do think like that was sort of like the beginning of the end for like kind of like rakish like live action stars like because like I feel like the next big action movie after that one was Batman Begins which is very like you know like muscle suit and now everyone's just like roided out of their damn gourd so like right. it's not just popped up veins are like stretched taut everyone's faster now it's yeah it's 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 unappealing to me like there's some intensity to it which feels um just gross and like this sense too that the marvel like has like made themselves out to be like this is a regiment and like we're like we're like a lie right i'm like no you can tell us that you're taking roids like i don't care you're making a movie you're not in the olympics which i also don't really care about either i I feel like always people always when they talk about the olympics they're like i wish i could see the version where everyone can do drugs and just like have like these like monsters on the field just like launching shot puts like a hundred thousand miles away and like running a like 10 laps a second like that's what i want the future of potentially 
And I think that until Marvel's like, we admit, yeah, Kumail isn't just like eating tons of like roast chickens a day and working out. Like, I don't know. I like work a second. You just can't gain that much muscle mass in such a short amount of time. Like, it's just not doable. Like, I do think though that like Pirates of the Caribbean for like, it was like sort of the last gasp, even though they made sequels of like a very old style of like action movie. Like it was also like, I think it was the beginning of the end for Johnny Depp too. Like Basil and I were talking about this in the art episode. Like, I mean, he just gave like complete, he did Pirates of the Caribbean and then Willy Wonka basically back to back. And that's like, kind of identical yeah you're doing like two thin like wayfish like eerie like odd characters and like you're gonna get yeah i don't even want to say typecast because it's like what type are you even casting at that point really but it's like he definitely put himself in like a very strange like and then right after that too or right around that time was alice in wonderland yeah and he he just like and then he did the wolf and into the woods too like he just does these kind of like fey weirdos basically yeah, now it, like it's yeah. a weird it's and it's the same performance over and over and over yeah, again right. too it's like the i mean it is just that it's that like the big bad wolf the like edge of the folklore creepy is he malevolent is he just like a kind of an anti-hero is he just strange i just can't get a read on him and i think and that was the the davy jones was the no we're actually menacing jack i don't know if he's jacked I'm giving him a lot of extra adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> but he was, but he was he's also- He's a hot, fuckable squid. <laughs> Do you know Davy Jones? He's one strong, peg leg, hot man on the streets. You'll he's, hear him coming a mile away. You can the organs. He announces himself. He's a man with presence, with distinction, with you tentacles. You want a competent man to walk into your bedroom? Look no further. I like that this <laughs> is like kind of a weird, like, we're selling sex on behalf of Davy Jones. Like, in this bit right here yeah no i like there is i mean like you know people this is not my cup of tea but there is something to a lot of people very erotic about tentacles i'm sure there is a ton of tumblr fan art about davy jones in that movie i mean there's definitely like a uh like a thousand page like luigi in luigi's mansion with davy jones somehow like you know that that exists like some like weird combo of two characters who simply shouldn't be interacting and like nor in a universe where they could interact yeah but like, they've been forced into it by like the tumblr mania of um like some 2008 like sixth grader in like des moines is like i can't believe i just watched this <laughs> and i have some thoughts that i have to get on the page here let me draw davy jones fucking to toad at <laughs> some, i don't even know f- what fanfic.net yeah Wait, that's just not like, I don't know. I, n- I never was really like a fanfic, fan art kind of person in general, except the X-Men. Um, there, was a, there was a pretty thriving, <laughs> what, what? No, there was a pretty thriving um, fan art sector of like people making the X-Men gay. Like, I'm not is... shocked at that at all. Well, the X Men, it is like in a lot of ways, it is like a queer metaphor. Like, for sure. Yeah. I think, but like people want to see Wolverine smooch. Yeah. And they also just want to see like whatever tight yellow spandex he's wearing is just hoisted up more. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? He's like bulky. He's like, same vibe, stocky, airy, strong, gruff, anti hero kind of 
that kind of energy. I think that maybe is where we might be going next though, in terms of like, um, if we're talking the like trajectory of like male movies, like looks, I think yeah. that the short squat buff hairy, like not quite jacked, but I think, I think that could like get resurrected somehow. No, I, I, I would like that. Like I've been watching a lot of old um, movies from like the seventies and eighties on Criterion channel over the past yeah. few months. And like a lot of like the big stars in those eras are like kind of burly, Mm-hmm. hairy dudes like well, you know like like a Jeff Bridges or like Burt Reynolds back in yeah. the day like we're way away from that now though like everyone looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger right now and we're supposed to pretend as yeah. if they don't I would love to see more movies to start do what they used to in the 70s and just pull people off the street and like you're an actor now yeah no you're exactly like, just being like this hot guy in like Pasadena and they're like you made a a, a cabinet for my friend George Lucas well he's got a movie for you like that's yeah. how it should be each no it definitely should be that and like I and it does suck that like we take all these like cool character actors and like legitimately talented people and put them in like full starfish face basically yeah. <laughs> like pump them full of steroids like yeah it, here's my thing like in the world of even like if we're I don't really need to get on a Marvel chat but yeah did they need to make Paul Rudd cut no, no. At no point, if you've also he's, seen the movies, at no point does he, it, it doesn't call for him to be so jacked. No, he needs to be like this, like, he's the Ant-Man. He needs to be like kind of this, like, you know, I, I, you'd think it would help to be thin, you know, yeah, <laughs> as right. the Ant-Man. Right. Yeah. Like, Dearing you can himself. have super strength too, I think, without being like and super jacked. Bam! Maybe you're yeah. seeing the thorax and an, the connection between an ant's thorax and uh, whatever the back part is. Maybe that's the same. Thing. I will, this is not a biology podcast. <laughs> no, like, we don't know that. Where are my invertebrate uh, studiers at? Etymologists. Or wait, entomology is entomology. Etymology is words, wherever. Yeah, etymol. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's. I should I should know that as someone who did famously tie for last at the Scripps National Spelling Bee, I should know what etymology <laughs> is. Um, but no, the, I, I'm trying to think like, so the way that you have framed Davy Jones, it is a cultural emergency, but one that I am having a tough time like articulating, I guess, in like the framework of this podcast, which I think should be commended that you have, broke the system like this like it <laughs> crashed the system can so every i think the emergency is is that we it's like the missing you know they were to the missing link in evolution of like they want to find the thing that connected us and maybe that is a bad analogy because they say that there was no actual missing link but in this way i think that that's the thread that we need to tear on and we can pull apart this like the macho the, i mean it's always existed but like this kind of whatever Davy Jones, because he killed Johnny Depp. He killed the fey, wayfish, lithe, uh, whatever kind of type character that mm-hmm. he is, like Mick Jagger and then some embodiment. Yeah. And that archetype is basically dead now. Or do we think that, well, I mean, with the Timothy Chalamet's coming back. Well, true, but I don't, I can't see Timothy Chalamet doing anything like a, he's too like, and I say this with love, like, I think he's a really good actor. He's too, like, narcotized, I think, to do. 
yeah he could not do a jack sparrow no i don't think he ever should no i don't think anyone should like i that first pirates of the caribbean movie is very good very fun to watch and it does that performance that jack sparrow performance is very good oh yeah it just it became such like self-parody after a while like flanderization right like ned flanders i think i've heard that word before yeah You're just so, it was like just a character just be like a foil to Homer Simpson. But now he's just like a caricature of what he was at the end. And that's, I watched like 30 minutes of like the the second, no, the most recent Pirates of the Caribbean and it was god awful. I don't even know which one that is now. Like, because they've what, made five or six at this point? Like who's in this new one? That one has um, uh, the bad guys Javier Bardem. Oh, was interesting choice on his part. Right? I, I didn't even know that Javier Bardem was in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, That's crazy. Like an undead one, and they it's something about like he has some they have to get some MacGuffin, like some uh the trident of Poseidon. That you know what I mean? They're just like yeah. something they have to get. That's like know. very marvelly. Right, exactly. So. I think and that's the thing too is that uh I think that the those parts of the Caribbean also set a stage of like there's like set pieces. Yeah. And like big movies are gonna have like like at the the last well the last one in the like the trilogy where david jones eats it um and there's like a massive battle in the maelstrom which is good yeah like, it definitely represents that like this i don't know i think that that's the cultural emergency is that it was a disembarkation point is that a, a phrase i can use Disembark- yeah we're gonna use it we don't know if it's right but we'll you use understand it. what i'm saying yeah. yeah i didn't say i was a teacher so i think this is all no right. No, no. The point at which he disembarks, and we've disembarked. Yeah. With a Q U E D, disembarked. <laughs> I think that is like, we have not figured out. People are always like, oh, 2016, everything unraveled. Oh, 2012, everything unraveled. And I'm like, you're, no, look back farther. Like, we're talking about 2007, 2006, 2008. We're talking peak Pirates of the Caribbean. No one knew it was coming for him. They didn't realize this was it like the, the the trap had been set yeah no and it's all been downhill from there but i'm not sure how to remedy it though is the issue and i think that's where you might I, come in. so yeah I, I i don't know what the way forward is because like you know you look back that movie is based on a theme park ride it's very easy to forget that and at the time, I do remember there being a conversation about like how weird it was to base a movie off of a ride. It worked like gangbusters. And it's a formula that Disney has, I mean, they're about to return to it again with like Jungle Cruise coming out in yeah. a few weeks. But like, that is sort of the, I think that like that was like the death knell in a lot of ways too for like, like any IP was on the table now. And now every big budget movie is based off of existing IP. So like. Which is why we're seeing so many returns of such odd, even a Wonka movie again. And the thing about, I don't want to get too deep into Wonka again, because I know there was a recent episode, but the fact that there is a sequel to the book that we've never seen made into a movie, you know, Charlie and the Glass uh, Elevator is, I've never read it, but I've heard it's probably, I don't, I've heard anything about it. And it's weird that people haven't gone that already exists. Let's just make that sequel. Instead of like, we got to remake it. Or like, I know. there's 900 Robin Hoods. Like, I'm, how many times do people need to hear that story? Like, I mean, there are a million like King Arthur movies. Like, yeah. it's just, 
like I get the fascination with stories like that just because they like Robin Hood Robin Hood is such an enduring tale or whatever and like that's like I mean it is not like original IP but like at least the source material is from like the 1200s or whatever like it's not like yeah it's not like we're making like the Greta Gerwig Barbie movie or whatever but like But now you can make a movie based off of Barbie. You can make, like, Alina Dunham is making a Polly Pocket movie. Right, that's like, what I was Polly Pocket. Like, Barbie kind of makes sense. Like, we've had, there was a Tyra movie that was, like, what, what's that called? Life Size. Uh, right, which is, yeah. like, very same, uh, like, the exact same kind of idea. And I'm like, when do we need to revisit? Like, is Barbie relevant? Like, no. Like, no offense to Barbie. But no. it's because the 90s, again, like, that kind of. Was revivalism of, like, we're interested in like Polly pocket barbie again because we're looking back onto that kind of those kind of the 90s chic elements right like it, i mean it, it like the nostalgia cycle will always keep turning like it just like it's an unstoppable force at this point but like i also don't think that there is like fixing a problem like that like i guess the thing that no. all we can do i mean there's a ga there's a what? There's a G.I. Joe movie out there. There's multiple. Yeah. Like, and I, I think that's that's sick and twisted. <laughs> yeah, that's I was a huge G.I. Joe fan as, as a young teen. We don't need it. No, like just make the cartoon. Like I remember the days where you could just like have a toy and then have a cartoon on Saturday mornings. And like and people were happy. Yeah. Satisfied. Sad. Like I think the best thing we can do is just like celebrate how genuinely weird and fun those like for I think like the first two Pirates of the Caribbean movies like I don't like the third one that much like the Maelstrom scene is cool but like the like we're not gonna see a guy with a squid on his face as a big villain anymore like it's all like like there's no like coolness and creature design anymore to anything like and all these Marvel movies like the aliens are always just like green yeah green Zoe Saldana ears and it's like what it's like no give me something like the jungle cruise the, who's one of the leads the rock yeah why why you are you on the jungle cruise being like man i feel like i'm so in danger i need like the burliest dude on earth and how how is he so jacked on the jungle cruise like you don't you don't have like that body type just like picking up boxes or whatever like Ooh. it doesn't make sense i do they not think we know what steamboat drivers look like i mean i don't but like they look like pop well popeye Right. Oh, well. well Pop. Well, okay, maybe we're wrong. <laughs> we no, might well, Popeye be... wasn't barrel. Remember, Popeye not barrel chested in uh, like him as the the base Popeye. Yeah. Popeye, no strength at all. He was just a man who loves spinach. Like he and that was that's. But maybe that's a Roy's metaphor. Good point too. Oh, what if Marvel were like actually Chris Hemsworth just ate a bunch of spinach? Like that's that's why he looks like that. <laughs> yeah and he just like uppercuts some bad guy it like goes up like a winch oh i would like that though i mean i guess we also already got a popeye movie too in the 40s with robin williams but that's like an (laughs) odd i'm sorry oh no in the 80s 40 years ago it turns 40 this year i think i'm sorry but okay i think we have to move on to our final segment we're gonna play tear the community apart okay so the rules are very simple I have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Easy. Yeah. So we were sort of talking about one of these songs last night and then a little bit earlier today. And 
It's a timeless classic. It just turned 20 yesterday. I am, of course, referring to Everywhere by Michelle Branch. A 10 out of 10 masterpiece. However, though, there are a lot of 10 out of 10 masterpieces from that kind of like pop punk rock chick persona and archetype from that time period. And the other song I've chosen is a, a staple. So which one is better? Everywhere by Michelle Branch. Okay. Or complicated by Avril Lavigne. Well, what I'll say about Avril Lavigne is that um, you know they say like at some point like you turn twenty five and your music taste like solidifies. I don't think that's true because my dad is the biggest Avril fan I've ever yeah. met. Yeah. What is, is there? Is there a thing with dads and and pop punk princesses mm-hmm. of the early two thousands? Yes, my dad also loves Avril loves he loves paramore loves well lord is not lord is like the through line i guess but like most recently my dad is not very into olivia rodrigo too like i just posted about um that on my story as you may have seen on instagram about michelle branson someone said they referenced olivia rodrigo yeah i'm like clearly there's like people are can make that jump immediately because they know it's the through lines there no it there is like like olivia has clearly done her research like she like i think it was like genuinely like lives eats and breathes the pop punk girls and taylor too obviously but like it's so yeah i mean it just it's really interesting how like everyone's fascination with her has now carried over into this like like y2k pop punk revivalism a lot like i did not think that everywhere was going to get the amount of support it got yesterday. Like people were going fucking nuts listening to it again. And I not really thought about it. So I saw a tweet like a few days ago and I was like, yes, this is a- a It's an incredible song, but is it better than complicated though? Yes, I'm gonna go personally landslide way over. Wow. I think just absolutely blows Avril. I think just because the fact that people are coming for this and. I'm sure we've passed some sort of milestone with Avril and no one cares anymore. Skater girl, I mean, it's timeless, but like, or skater boy is timeless. Yeah, skater boy, B-O-I. Yeah, right, B-O-I, sorry mm-hmm. to all the fans out there. So <laughs> I, think, I think that I gotta give it to him, because I think something about Michelle that I don't wanna say that Avril Lavigne is like a uh, industry plant or anything like that, but there's something that felt very genuine re-listening to Michelle Branch 20 years later when I had listened to it when I was very, very, very young. Yeah. There's something about it that I was like, this still feels like, I feel like complicated and like skater boy have like, they've been kind of um, like parting the USA eyes. You know what I mean? Like, no, that, and you know, that's, that's super fair to say because that first Avril album was executive produced by like the, like Max Martin, like, you know, the Swedish, those, Mm -hmm. you know, the Swedish hit maker people. Whereas Michelle Branch's first album was, I think a lot more of like a low key, comparatively low budget affair yeah so there is kind of more of like a a genuine like rocker vibe i think to michelle branch i think so too but i love both of them though like i love though i will say i love that everywhere is getting the love that it deserves like in the like the retrospective it deserves i hope we carry that same energy over for the 20 year anniversary of all you wanted, which I think is the best Michelle Branch song. I 
was just that was the one I was listening to a lot as well. And that one I was like, this the levels of, of what she put in, I think are really there's a lot of good stuff there. Like if you're re-listening to it, it feels like you it's that thing that people are saying about Livia Rodrigo when they're like, I feel like I'm back in high school, like I'm like crying about like a boyfriend, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think you re-listen to Michelle Branch and you're like, oh, this is some deep feeling that she felt as a yeah. sort of tween rocker. And that is so distilled in that, like, I don't, I haven't quite had the same feeling of a skater boy who said, see you later, boy. Right. You you know, the rest. And good, good on you. (laughs) I have felt that everywhere, like I'm seeing someone everywhere and I'm like, I can't get you out of my head or. No, it's, it's the music from that subgenre is it's hyper-specific and universally relatable at the same time like I think that's the mark of good songwriting is like making like such intensely personal detailed music seem applicable to my or your everyday life like right and it is interesting I mean um front of the podcast Julia Gray wrote a really good article in the ringer that I think I've talked about on the show um about how like usually the vessels for these this kind of music is like teen girls and like mm-hmm. early girls in their early 20s who are like then we develop these like parasocial relationships with and expect them to be our creative voice in a lot of ways yeah a friend of mine actually made that i posted some like tweet about um in our group chat about olivia rodrigo and it was making fun of um like it was that uh dear evan uh, hansen no, yeah and they had like a, the picture of, I forget the actor's name. Um, and he like, just looks like he can't be in high school. Like one of those yeah. people were like, people like uh, late millennials listening to Olivia Rodrigo. And my friend was like, I hope this isn't a critique of her because like every time this happens, like they get brought up like Olivia Rodrigo. And then like people, like you're saying, like put obsess over them. And then they just end up being regular ass people. Some flaw or not a flaw gets put up. And then they're like, we hate her. And then she's torn down critique 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 critique. yeah I mean it's like this is unfair I mean we like we've seen it with like I mean obviously Britney Spears is like such a huge example of that free Britney um that like yeah we just like we project a lot of cultural values onto these people and right Olivia Rodrigo what she's like 17 she's she's wants to make great music yeah it's gonna uh, yeah I I think that there people want to ascribe a lot and that's what I think that like what makes me want to put the Michelle branch over the Avril is that I think that the, the everywhere represents more so of this like real person tortured and also I'm um, fronting a pop punk band like the guys behind me are all like 45 year old like bassists yeah and like I'm a 17 year old just like absolutely on stage upset about something pouring your heart out to the masses it rightly so and then and then people want to um attack them and then give them the reins of of cultural dumb like taylor i mean obviously great and she's taken those reins in hand but yeah she went through a tumultuous battle to get them yeah i mean she she's in her 15-year career i mean she's weathered a lot of controversies like i mean she's undergone a pretty extensive two now pretty extensive like stylistic pivots and like that basically in a lot of ways defined the culture the cultural era that surrounded them like the country to pop pivot was very like 
I mean, there's something like very Instagram about that, like very like public social media facing. And then now like the folklore evermore, like kind of like 90s little affair stuff. Like, yeah, draw out of nowhere. It's but that feels very like pandemic to do that, though. Like you just hunker down and like made projects. Right. The our King Lear. Yeah. Dang, we're looking right at it. Taylor. It's, and it's looking back at us. Unfortunately. And it doesn't like what it's <laughs> the mirror we've put up to society is upset with what they're seeing. <laughs> and all it all it sees is a horde of Swifties crying blood, <laughs> gnashing their teeth, rending their garments, beating their chest, like just absolutely it, it frothed up into a frenzy. Yeah. It was Amandius weeps. <laughs> yeah, nothing besides him la- lays good. <laughs> Everything is just dark and desolate. Except a copy of 1989. But... Yeah, and Michelle Branch just softly playing in the distance. <laughs> Never, it's like it's just a fantastic to find the source of that jukebox. Damn. Damn. Well, the world we live in. The world we live in. Um, I think we have to wrap up the podcast, but. Um, tell us where people can find you on social media and if you have anything you'd like to promote. Um, you can follow me on at Twitter at, at mostly browse um, because of my faces. I wish you could see it. I'm mostly browse at this point. Um, <laughs> mustache I've grown. It just looks just as thick as the two eyebrows. You, you are slathered in glossier boy brow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm slicked up. I'm absolutely here. I've married the middle of my unibrow. It's giving, it is giving a mix between the dad from Inside Out and I, Jake Gyllenhaal. That one, thank you for the, the pivot yeah. there. I posted a TikTok recently and the comments were just up in arms about me looking like the dad from Inside Out, which the man's handsome, runs a happy, successful family. But it's just like, you see a white guy with a, a mustache and people are like, that's him. That's a guy who probably rode crew. I didn't has a, a great t-shirt and he's got a young kid he's in san francisco and there's a whole world inside of brain or your and, and you're nothing of the sort no <laughs> i don't think i'll ever be but the jig Hall i um do that was a compliment and i oh absolutely i met the dad from inside out as a compliment too like it's all yeah. it's a good it's a good look um okay you can find me where Hmm. You can find me on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's. You can find me on Twitter at FKA Pigs with a Z. And of course, subscribe to culturepig.substack.com for free weekly newsletters um, talking about culture. Um, or in this case, this past week's letter was about furniture and was very boring. <laughs> but I promise that there will be good ones that are coming up soon. But um, yeah. I think, thank you so much for being here. This was a a true absurdist delight of an episode. Like I can't wait to absolutely be on a yacht for the first time in my life. It goes under, I see the absolute cruel unblinking eyes of Davy Jones. And he's like, you said a lot of nice things on me on that pod. Get back up there, kiddo. Oh my God. And he spares your life. Yeah, of course he does. Oh my gosh. I'm putting him on the map again. He's absolutely, he was like, I was mad at what you said, but davidjones.medium.blogspot.com has never been blowing up more (laughs) (laughs) the clicks are off the charts i feel like i would not have the same i feel like i'd fall off the uh he'd grab me he'd be like there are too many podcasts out right now like this is an oversaturated market what were you thinking and then like within the next five minutes i'd have a starfish on my ass and a peg leg 
just absolute the justice comes so swift in the seven seas yeah in waters sorry <laughs> anything goes Don't in dark waters <laughs> but all right until next time this has been crisis twink bye everyone bye